Welcome back to Thinking About It. I'm Bob McGregor. I'm Stan Fowler. Stan, you remember what we talked about last time? Oh, I'll never forget it. We, uh, we got the sign from our sound booth guy that we, we were running out of time. It just happened too quickly. We've got to pick that up. And here's the thing for people who are just tuning in now for the second part of our question that we're asking, capitalism or socialism. Uh, Stan, I'm going to put you on a spot here. Uh, I'm, you're, you're a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm in the States. Um, I'm called to vote. I want to vote right. I want to vote biblically. I want to honor the Lord with my decision. And the question is, um, how should a Christian vote? It comes down to a decision. Uh, when you think one party claims to champion capitalism, the other obviously is has embraced socialism in a way that we've never seen before. And so, not that we're in the States, but these things have a way of affecting all of us. And I think they're probably people who view the Canadian political climate through the same lens. So, how are we, how's a Christian to think and ultimately to vote on that subject? It's a really complicated question, you know, and, and I, I'm, I get frustrated with people who don't recognize the complexities of it. I mean, one of the questions that's been persistent since 2016 is, how can such a large percentage of white evangelicals vote for Donald Trump? I mean, given his character, given his history, um, and, and so on. And, and I think part of the answer is, well, there were only two options as to who was going to become president, right. Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. And so in this world, as it is, we are, we are often left to choose the lesser of two evils. Which one, if, if we only have two possibilities, which one is going to be the better way forward? And so for many evangelical Christians and for many others who who, let's say, reject socialism as a viable kind of economic system, they find themselves holding their nose and voting for Donald Trump. Now, I mean, for me, if I were... I, I, I could only vote for him if I held my nose for sure. And, and I have real concerns about his volatility. I have concerns about what I think is often a lack of principle. Nevertheless... Mm-hmm. In, in the upcoming election on November 3rd in the USA, um, there's a choice. Now, you can, there are some other parties. There's an American Solidarity Party, which actually I find attractive in some ways. Mm-hmm. But their leader is not going to be elected president. It's going to be Trump or Biden. So and, why would a Christian, if they're going to plug their nose for someone, why would they plug it for Donald Trump? What? I think for many of them, they would say there's simply too many things about Joe Biden and the Democratic platform that they find unacceptable. Part of that is the socialism versus capitalism that we're talking about. Uh, The the Democratic Party appears to have been pulled very far to the left by the Bernie Sanders campaign especially. How bad is that? I, I know I've got young guys on my Facebook who celebrate that. They're excited about Bernie Sanders' base is young, yeah. and, and a lot of young Christians think this is why. Why don't people see this? This is Christianity 101. Because many people would say, "Well, 
you know, you know, there's a finite amount of money that the government can even create. And, and Bernie Sanders promises about free university and paying off all student debt and um, a, a universal Medicare that goes way beyond the scope of Canadian universal Medicare. It's simply unrealistic. It's totally unrealistic. But he wants to do that with money that people have made on the backs of poor working Americans, greedy capitalists who have way more than they need. How did they get that? You, you, they got it somehow through duplicity or something. And so let's just kind of level the playing field, take from them what they shouldn't have had in the first place. Well, it's easy to label capitalists that way. but in, and, and are there some who are in that category? No question. Uh, there are some greedy capitalists who have not treated employees well, who haven't thought common good. But there are plenty of others who have tried to use their wealth for the common good, to try to give away a lot of what they've made, who have tried to create companies that hire a lot of people to do meaningful work for, for appropriate wages. Um, not everything about socialism is bad. I mean, the heart of it, to, to a genuine concern for all, Surely we can all applaud that. We're called to do good mm-hmm. to all people, mm-hmm. according to Scripture. We're called to love all our neighbors as ourselves. The, it, 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 but it often becomes a practical question of, so how do we actually do that effectively? And, and many would argue only a free market economy really provides the opportunity for entrepreneurs to create wealth. And so... Now, in, in the U.S. election, of course, you, you, you have to add to that the Democratic Party's commitment to um, abortion on demand, essentially, and, and to other kinds of, of uh, social positions which evangelical Christians really can't swallow, can't find acceptable. So I, I would argue, I, th- I think an evangelical Christian could say coherently, I don't agree with the democratic position on abortion, but I don't think there's any hope of really changing uh, the situation very much, no matter who's president. And there are other things about the democratic platform that I do find acceptable, so I'm going to vote for Biden. I think other evangelicals may coherently say, um, I can't stand the guy. In many ways, can't stand his arrogance, can't stand the way he treats other people. But I think it's the lesser of two evils for a variety of reasons, economic. Okay, but and when otherwise. you when you cherry pick the issues and people can make their decision based on that, but but we're focusing on the question of um, an economic system, yeah, the economic system. Question. You know, should a should a Christian be warm to one as opposed to the other, warts and all? I'm inclined to think Scripture as a whole points us toward being warm toward free market. Uh, as we mentioned in our last conversation, even in the, in the book of Acts, in the context of the early church, when you have this community of goods, it's all voluntary. It's not coerced. It's not um, imposed from above by, by the emperor, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So I, I think on balance... Uh, scripture points us toward kind of uh, kind of individual freedom, free market economy, and and calls all of us to be generous 
with the wealth that we are able. But you're not to forced create. to be. But you're not you're not forced to be. Um, so I, I mean, I tilt in that direction for sure. But I understand the the that that capitalism or free market, the economy, whatever we're going to call it, needs to somehow be seen as the servant of mm-hmm. common good and and not treated as if it's a kind of uh, ready-made system handed down from on high. Yeah, I, I think part of the problem is the optics or the acoustics of the word capitalistic. You know, it sounds like money is the object of everything. And whereas you say free market, even that has had pushback. Why should the market be the ultimate thing? You know, but I think when we when we talk about whatever it is, uh, we we need to be clear that um, it's it's a free exchange of people who come to mutual beneficial agreement, and that the government just permits uh, those kinds of transactions, uh, regulating to some measure the safety of it all and, and the legality of it. But um, that's, to me, that's the essence of what we mean by capitalism and free market. Yes, I, I think it is. Um, but especially among younger, young adult evangelicals today, there is this growing uh, fascination with the idea of social justice. And if I may permit it, I'm going to jump onto one of my current hobby horses here. Bring it. And that is Giddy up. often often those people point to Matthew twenty five, thirty one to forty six, the scene of final judgment, sheep and the goats, etc., as yeah. as the basis for that. And and so what we see there, of course, is Jesus talks about the time when he's going to come in in glory to consummate his kingdom. He's going to judge all the nations are going to be gathered. He's going to judge everyone. But sheep on his right, the goats on his left. The sheep inherit the kingdom. The goats inherit fire, eternal fire. And he, and he says, the sheep, I'm going to invite you into my kingdom because um, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you Amen. looked after me. Let's do that. And he says, therefore, enter the kingdom. So now that raises many questions. Is entrance into the kingdom ultimately dependent on tr- the way we treat needy people rather than believing the gospel? I mean, it looks that way. That's what's talked about here. And so social justice easily gets elevated above the gospel. Now, I mean, it raises all sorts of questions when you when you read this this passage. But it's, I mean, when people say, he said, well, the sheep will say, but when did we do that for you? And he says, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Now, that's commonly read as these these the least of these brothers of mine means any needy human being. Mm-hmm. But when you look earlier in Matthew's gospel at the way he uses those themes, if you go back to chapter 12, we find a, a, a context there where people are saying to Jesus, your family are, are looking for you. And, and he says, my family are those who believe in me mm-hmm. and follow me. Mm-hmm. They're my brothers and sisters. They're my family. So he defines being his 
brothers and sisters in terms of believing in him. Then you go back to chapter 10, and, and you have this text where, where Jesus says, the one who welcomes a disciple of mine in my name welcomes mm-hmm. me. And he even uses the language of welcoming the least of these language like what we have in Matthew 25. So I would argue what's going on in Matthew 25 is Jesus is saying, the people of all nations will be admitted to the kingdom on the basis of how they have responded to the messengers who go in my name, who believe in me, declaring the truth about me. And so those who enter the kingdom are those who welcome the messengers of the gospel. And it and it's displayed by feeding them, clothing them, caring for them, for, for their needs, re- responding, showing hospitality. So the good works of genuine saving faith. Right. And, and so, I, so I would argue Matthew 25 is easily misused. If we take mm-hmm. it as a way of saying, mm-hmm. look, what really counts yeah. is the orthopraxy of mm-hmm. caring for the needy rather than the orthodoxy of consciously believing the gospel. I don't think that's what's going on in the passage. Now, but that's, I would call that using a bad argument to make a good point. Should we care for the needy? Should we take it as our calling to to do good to all people, to love all our neighbors in whatever ways they need that love? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But... Is that the point of Matthew 25 and admission to the kingdom? I don't think so. Jesus is not saying, no matter what you may think about me, that's not the point. The point is you care for the needy. And so I, I, I fear that, that a, lot of, a lot of young evangelicals who are properly concerned about mm-hmm. seeking what is just and right for all people uh, are are misusing a text like this. There are other reasons to be concerned about justice and about caring for the needy. Now, how you define social justice, that, that's another question. We need to work at that. But the Bible obviously calls us to act justly and to show mercy. Right. Um, to quote Micah, Prophet Micah, mm-hmm. uh, we're called to do good to all people, but we ought to use good arguments to make that good point not a bad argument that has the tendency to elevate a concern for social justice above a concern for believing so, the gospel. We're, we're kind of out of time, but can we, can we resolve this with, with a hyphen and talk about capitalism, a socialistic capitalism? You've got social justice, whatever that is. Can we, can we kind of like here in Canada... People would say we're socialists. I don't think we are. Americans think we are. But I think we're, we're social capitalists or something. Is, is, is that the salvation here? Well, I think, I think something like that probably is. In fact, there are, there are some, um, some Republican leaders in the USA who are now insisting that we talk about common good capitalism. Uh, someone like Marco Rubio, mm. for example. I'm I'm tipping my hand here in terms of where my political sympathies lie. Yeah, we suspect it as much. But I think there's something to that, yeah. a, a recognition that um, capitalism, we don't want to make an idol out of capitalism, mm-hmm. but 
but essentially it something like it. Yeah, a generous a, capitalism. A, a kind of generous capitalism looks to embody the kind of uh, biblical concerns we have for for yeah. personal freedom on the one hand, but but concern for others as, yeah. as well. And Somehow you, both have to be affirmed. Right. And you you add to that the um, the track record of socialism, at least how it's currently defined, right in Venezuela, in the Soviet Union, wherever it's been done, it just hasn't been done well. And some of these young people say, "Well, okay, we know better. It'll it'll work this time." And I'm skeptical. I think it's better for us and more biblical to think in terms of the fundamentals of what we've called capitalism, but breathe into it the generous spirit of altruism, Christianity, if you will. I really think that's the way to go. And anyone who asks me, that's what they hear from me. But that's just me thinking out loud. Well, one of the the things that's often been called in some Christian circles is liberation theology, that, 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 that view that socialism is somehow the be-all and end-all. But the, the, the question to be addressed to that is, does it really liberate? And I think the answer is no. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all you get today from Bob McGregor. And Stan Fowler. We've been thinking about it, and I hope that you join us in this, and we'll see you next time. Keep on thinking. Thank mm-hmm. you.